Welcome to the Small Business Show. We created a platform to have candid and in-depth conversations with entrepreneur and business professional we find fascinating. Learn the tips and tricks for marketing, running, and growing a small business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Happy 2022, everyone. You're listening to the Small Business Show. I'm your host, Ho, the promo guy. Today, my guest is Patty Mara from Maryland, Inc. Patty has spent over 20 years helping companies and individuals take a fresh look at the way that they operate. This unique insight helped them reach their full potential, enhance customer experience, and dramatically increasing their growth, customer retention, and profit. She's the author of Up Solutions, Turn Your Team into Heroes and Customer into Raving Fans, created off the Profit Generator, Breaking Through Barriers, and the Business Evolution Blueprint. How are you doing, Patty? I'm great, Swire. It's uh, great to be here and beginning of a new year. Yeah, I'd love to you know, have you to talk about goal setting. I like all the key points that you have. Would you please tell us a little bit more about your approach and you know, how do you like to work with a client of yours? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a business coach and I've worked with, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs. I typically work with independently owned, locally owned businesses, and I work with entrepreneurs and their teams. So with the business owners, it's about positioning their business for profitable growth and identifying, I find most businesses are playing the wrong game of business. You know, they, they're struggling to compete against, you know, big box, national, international, uh, that play a commodity game, right? So they're struggling to compete and they define their business by what they sell. I think what you sell, whether it's a product or service, is the vehicle and how you create value. And your business is the value you create, the solutions you provide to your a target audience. So um, I really help business owners redefine. It's already in the business. You're already doing it. If you have customers, you're already doing it. But I help them define it and, and build the business model and way of talking about the business based on value rather than product or service. And then engage how the team understands as the team are the ones that are delivering it and having interactions. And if they're not aware and on board, regardless of what you say, you're not delivering it. So bringing, you know, marrying the two, if you will, so that you're clearly placed in the marketplace for profitable growth and creating an impact and your team is on board for delivering it. One of the key points I think is very interesting. You mentioned that your business is not what you sell. Mm -hmm. So what is at that at the business is really the outcome you create. And then that's back to I'm saying what you sell is a vehicle to deliver value, but your business is the value. So I think there are new business rules. You know, the, the Internet has really created a global marketplace. We used to be locally, you know, you, you, you sold into your local community and you could differentiate. You were the go to person. Well, the impact of the Internet is we now shop globally. We sell globally. We're in a global marketplace. So you really have to differentiate if you don't. You're being whether you're creating a, a, a huge amount of value or not, you're being judged, commoditized, you know, judged on price with everyone else that has something similar to what you do. So the new business rules, I think we have to shift from sales to solutions. At which all the focus needs to be on the solutions you're providing from relationship from transactions to relationships. 
Uh, it's about engaging. Um, and I think an undercurrent of that is if you're not clearly communicating why choose you, if you're not clearly communicating the value that they're going to get from working with you, people choose the lowest perceived price. You're commoditized. It's the only thing they can go on. There's a little bit underneath this is that, you know, we tend to assume that everyone knows what we know, right? We broadcast as if everyone knows what we know, and the reality is they don't. So I want, you know, every business owner and team member to think or to realize that your customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision. Swire, we could talk about creating promotional items for a company, but the promotional items is the vehicle, but helping customers having a market impact where you bring your unique talent, that's the value or the solutions you're providing, right? And I, I, there was somebody, I talked to a guy who, um, this is a, just a story that came to mind. He sold flooring, right? Carpeting, tile, flooring for uh, mostly big box restaurants and Uh, He had a a local school come to him to say, listen, we need to change your flooring. We don't even know where to start. And, you know, can you advise us? And so he put together a quick program on something he would automatically do. Like normally if he was going into a, a restaurant, he would take a look at all these parameters, you know, use, traffic, you know, all of this stuff and then make recommendations that would be part of their proposal right? In the RFP process. So he created this, this, what he would normally do, the knowledge wisdom he had, put it into a package, a program that he charged $750 for it, went through, did a detailed analysis and gave them recommendations based on their usage and needs. And that is what then they took into the RFP process. But he got paid for that value. Interestingly enough, um, he also won the contract because they had confidence in him. I also want to point an example. You know, a lot of us drink coffee, right? You know, going back to your example, your business is not what you sell. I brew my own coffee. It takes me $10 to buy a Costco and I do it every day. But sometimes I do go to a coffee shop, which I know maybe they have better coffees, but then what they're really selling is not their coffee. I go there sometimes to meet Karen, or sometimes I go there, sit and enjoy a bagel. And sometimes I just want to have a di- different work scene. I want to be at a coffee shop, drink my coffee, and then do some work. So they're not really selling their coffee. It's, yes, it's their product, but then they're selling the environment. And then they have a lot of parking. So very easy for people to find. So I think a lot of local restaurants and local businesses don't think about is, you know, I have to compete with Starbucks, for example, or when you're a restaurant, I have to compete with all the franchise uh, chain. But then People go to your place of business because you have something unique that they cannot find elsewhere. So since you mentioned promotional product, you know, there are something that unique that I think I'm able to provide that other competitor of mine cannot. So there is a market out there and the, the world is big enough right now. People are very comfortable with Zoom, with internet research that they do. I'm surprised sometimes that how people are able to reach us from all across yeah. the world. Yes, absolutely. Especially, you know, one of the side effects of the pandemic is that everybody, somebody in their 80s or 90s are using Zoom or FaceTime to stay in touch with their family. You know, everybody's online, you know, whereas there was a bit more of a divide and and that's just not the case anymore. Yeah. And and Swar, you talked about there's a really good book 
uh, the experience economy. I think it was Gilmore and Pine were the authors. And it was it was early days of talking about separating. You know, people are willing to pay for an experience that they're going to pay bottom dollar for a commodity. Coffee is a commodity. When you brew it, it's a service. But when you have a Starbucks, it's an experience. He based it off his experience of being in Venice and being in the Palazza. And for, you know, his coffees were $15 a cup. But people were just sitting there for hours because there are people watching. It was experience you were taking care of. It was all very, very lovely. And he used that to come back and say, how can we create a coffee experience that's like literally a hub that people want to come to? And the price is not the option. Also, I want to share a recent experience. We went up to Seattle during the holidays and I took my kids to the first Starbucks at the Pike Marketplace. They don't even drink coffee. And then we actually have to line up 45 minutes just to get into the first Starbucks and to buy their merchandise, to buy the coffee. So, you know, talking about the experience. So it takes people to recognize the opportunity and then they actually create that experience. You have to line up 45 minutes just to get in. Some people will think it's crazy. Why would I go into that? But then when you're there, I ask them three times, should we leave? There's another Starbucks around the corner. No, we want to wait. We want to go in and see what's going on. <laughs> so that, that brings me to you know, my follow-up question. You, you mentioned that you know, finding the right question to make that decision. So how would you advise you know, local businesses to ask the right question to narrow down the niche and to recognize what they have unique that other people don't? How would you guide clients to you know, ask the right question for themselves? I love that. I would recommend starting with who are your best customers? Who do you enjoy working with? They value what you do and they're willing to pay you for that. They value and appreciate you. You know, if you're of a business and you've got customers already, it's not that whether or not you're doing it, you're doing it. You just haven't differentiated. We tend to take for granted what how we're delivering value. It's just an of course for us, but your customers value and appreciate it. So where I would start is identifying, you know, your best customers and have a conversation. Why do they choose you? What do they appreciate? Is there anything you can always ask? Is there anything they'd like to see more of or less of? Is, you know, any, but, but really we want to get underneath. Why do people choose you right now? And if, if you can get people to answer that, if they can give you that information and they might be skirting around it, right? It's, it's, well, you know, your, 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 your staff's very friendly. Um, You always are on time. You know, it's, you have what I'm looking for, right? So they might give you surface things. And you want to dig a little bit deeper is like, why is that important for you? And they'll tell you. And if if you have literally have five to 10 conversations, you'll crystallize. There'll be a common thread that everyone's saying. And that's what you want to start. And then you can start testing out the other piece on when you have conversations with clients. And this is really important, actually. Every single market, every single person in every single market, their needs have changed given the last two years. What we want, how we want it, it's changed. So if a business is not talking to their best customers, you're really missing the boat because you assume you know what they want and you really want to find out what do they really want today, now. And and so and if, if you're paying attention, pay attention to the words that they're using. Because you'll also find some commonality in words that they use of why they appreciate and value you. And those may be the exact words to use to communicate why I choose you in the marketplace. 
I think a lot of us don't do that is because we're afraid, you know, what they might say, you know, because I, I do wanted to reach out to my best client and find out more about why are they buying from us instead of our competitors. But then sometimes, like what you're saying, you know, they give us service level answers. You know, we, you know, like working with you, you have what we need, you know, all, all that, right? But how how would you suggest we ask, like, and what kind of question we ask to dig deeper? And then how often should we reach out? Is that a general rule of thumb that we should do? I, I wouldn't say that there's a general rule of thumb, like you should do it once a quarter or you should do it once a year. Um, you want to make it, here's the thing, people like to be asked. If you're asking all the time, then, you know, every week you call and say, was that good for you? And did you like it? And do you want more of it? You know, then you become annoying, right? So you want to think of how can you, how are you taking care of your customers? How are your customers feeling better off because you're having this conversation? Are they feeling valued and appreciated? I've seen companies that have created a kind of a board of directors with their best customers and they take them out for dinner, a really nice dinner and have a, like a round table discussion. That's, you know, you capture um, once a quarter, you know, that's, that's a great example. I'm very cautious about service. I'd pick up the phone personally. I would pick up the phone. I wouldn't do it often, maybe once or twice a year, but um, I want to make sure, am I in contact with you enough? What would you like to see from us? How can we better serve your needs? What are your needs? What do you like? What do you not like? And how could we better serve your needs? Is there anything you'd like to see from us? You know, what is it that, you know, it's, you know, why did you choose us? What is it? And what did you appreciate? What would you like to see more of? You know, really get into those conversations and have your customer feel heard. You want to come from appreciation and have them feel heard. You know, it seems like everyone's gotten into this customer feedback thing. And so every purchase, you have a survey. It feels nondescript. It, uh, it feels annoying when you get enough of them. And I never get feedback. It's, uh, the other piece is you always want to close the loop. If, you're, if you've had a conversation with a customer and they've given you really great information, send them a thank you note and how are you using that information? How is that valuable to your company and how are you using that information? Um, if you are going to do a survey, make sure you publish the survey results or send a thank you to everyone who participated in the survey because you want people to feel heard. And if you close the communication loop, then the next time you come to them for more information, they're going to be feel, oh, yeah, I, he listens to me. He does something with it. Um, yeah, let me tell you what I think. Yeah, things I've been doing right now, and let me know if you agree with me on not being a salesperson as I am. I would ask for feedback, you know, when we finish an order for them. So if they, sometimes they give me good feedback. Sometimes they say, you might want to do that a little bit different. And we have to acknowledge it. You know, the, mm -hmm. the worst things that you can do when you receive some negative feedback or constructive criticisms is to be defensive. Oh, no, no. It, what do you mean? Listen, right? When you ask for feedback, you know, you ask for it, you got to listen and you don't try to defend it. And Sometimes when I know that they're really happy and then I know that doing my research as a salesperson, uh, you know that they're a bigger company that could have multiple departments that could purchase from you. I actually ask them for the referral then. Mm -hmm. So I have decent success with that because, you know, while it's being fresh, they're more likely to recommend you to other departments than if you reach them nine months later. They, they forgot who, who you were. And so try that, you know, if you're spending the time reaching out to, to your best customer. Think about possible referral or introduction they could potentially 
uh, make for you. Or, you know, look them up on LinkedIn. You know, look at who they're connected with. So you you might be surprised. And I've tried that last year and have success on it. I think you're spot on, Swire. I think it's really important, the timing. What, just after you've delivered something, you've made them happy, they're, you know, it's fresh in their mind. That's the perfect time. I also like what you said is be directive, you know, find out on LinkedIn, or is there someone, you know, that they would know that they'd be, you know, listen, we would like to to talk to this company. Is there someone to know, would you be willing to refer us, you know, into the company? So be directive with it. One of my pet peeves is when people ask for referrals before they've delivered the value. Right. It's so there's you can do it too soon. You haven't actually delivered it. I'm not a happy camper yet. I'm waiting to see if I'm going to be a happy camper or it's nine months later and they've forgotten. So you're right. There's definitely a sweet spot. And and keep coming from how do you make it easy? A lot of times and I'm going to be start doing more is I do make notes every time I communicate with a client. You know, they mentioned different areas that they're interested in. So whenever that I find useful article related to what they do now, uh, I'll actually send them a quick email, you know, so I thought you might want to hear that because you're interested in growing your customer or they only like employees uh, appreciation. So I would send them articles like that, not to sell them, but just to Mm -hmm. remind them that I actually remember our conversation. So, you know, I'll, I'll try that and I'll let everyone know how it goes, you know, by the end of this year. This is back to there are new business rules from um, transactions to relationships. Because you've done something once that, you know, if you don't ever follow up, if you don't engage and develop that a relationship, a trusted, valued relationship, you have to be in contact with them on a regular basis. And, And again, it doesn't mean you're pitching them every month. I love what you're doing with finding relevant articles And, you know, sometimes you have a wider, you can have one article that'll be fit for a lot of people. And sometimes it's just, you know, one to the direct person, which feels very personalized. The best known brand in Ireland. Take take a stab, Swire. What do you think would be, what would be your estimation of the best known brand in Ireland? Uh, Is it beer? Yeah, Guinness. (laughs) Guinness is the best known brand in Ireland. And if Guinness is not out there... With their name in some way, sometimes advertising, sponsoring sports events, if they're not visible at least monthly, their sales go down. It's not enough to be the best known brand. There has to be an ongoing visibility. So going back, you know, since you work with, you know, more local businesses, as the show says, you know, we are small businesses. You know, we might not have the, the brand and the budget and the marketing reach as, you know, a global brand like Guinness. So how would you suggest a smaller company do what we just said to reaching out to a customer? So obviously picking up the phone is free, right? It's your time. What other strategies would you uh, recommend us to try this year? I, I love that you said, yes, absolutely. You know, big companies spend millions, tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars on branding. You know, I think of Nike, just do it in the swish, right? That's that's not really practical, right? It's not you're not going to see a return on investment. A small business is not going to see a return on investment. So, but what you can do is microbrand. And microbranding, whether it's your company name or a byline, a descriptive byline. There was a a high-end renovation company that I saw their byline was turning houses into homes. 
right? So have some kind of a descriptive byline that captures the essence of why choose you, the value or solution that you're creating to your customers and why they're choosing you. Nailing something takes a lot of work, right? That's the hardest thing is to to get to the actual core. I I whiteboard. I start with a big whiteboard. I put up anything relevant, engage your team, engage your customers in this. You know, how would they put all the words up and then start wordsmithing it and getting it down to a couple things that you test out with your customer base if this if this appeals to them. And you can tell if they're light, if their eyes light up, it's like, yeah, I love that. That's it. And if they don't, ask how they ask questions to get underneath it. How did this appeal? Did it not appeal? What did you think? And again, pay attention to the words they use. So my first thing is be really clear on the messaging. And hey, it does take some work. So if you get something that's just in the ballpark, maybe it's not it, but it's close enough that you're, you're differentiating yourself from everyone else who sells exactly what you sell, just get out there and start using it because you'll have people ask you questions. And I think if you're out there using it and engaging and getting feedback within you know three to six months, you'll have something that's crystal clear and you'll love it. I, I did this, you know, my book came out at the beginning of 2020. And of course then, hey, the pandemic hit. <laughs> it's like, do I need to do a re- rewrite of my book? Thankfully, no, the first chapter of my book is the opportunity and change. So uh, I didn't. But, I, you know, my f- way of testing, is this relevant or not? It, well, I got on the phone. I probably had 20 conversations. How are you? What's going on? What's happening in your business? What do you need? In the fall, I launched the Business Reinvention Blueprint because we were all talking reinvention. The name never quite sat, but was enough for me to launch the program and deliver it. So, you know, here we are a year later. That name has evolved to a business accelerator blueprint and that's resonating. So, but it was enough just to go with it. So Swire, the first thing for me is to be really clear about why choose you and have that be the messaging and then getting out in your community, ask customers, you know, where would you like to hear about us? I mean, newspapers aren't really much. Certainly there's um, social media has been a big, I know of a, small bakery that still doesn't have a website. They completely launched on Facebook and Instagram during the shutdown in the spring of 2020. And, and they're packed. They sell out every day. They've been packed. They've got a rave, raving fan following and they built, built it all on social media. So, you know, your community, every in every community, there are community-based groups on Facebook that you can be part of the conversation. And and it's not all promotion. As you said, how can you create value? How can you answer questions? How can you be a resource? How can you support? And then you can also, people will hear you in a different way when you say, hey, I, I can do that. Yeah, I want to bring this up again. You said, who are your best customers? So when we talk to a lot of small businesses, they always want to target everyone, mm-hmm. right? But you want to be more focused, you know, in order to the micro branding that you create, you know, you got to know who, who you're talking to. If you're talking to everyone, mm-hmm. even the biggest brand, don't talk to everyone. You no. know, when McDonald's, when Walmart, when all those big guys do an ad message, they are targeting a specific group. They spend millions of dollars just to talk to somebody very specific. You know, why would we want it to talk to everyone? But mm-hmm. by doing that, knowing who your best customers are, 
I know people will say, you know, we don't have customers. Yes, we're a startup company. Then I would suggest to dream about who will be the best customer for your business, who give you the biggest deal or whatever that equivalent to your best customer. Write down as many things as you can about those people. Where do they hang out? Who are they? How old are they? How would they go about the day? You know, what kind of magazines, what kind of social media platform would they read? Like, who do they listen to for advice? So that you know you can craft your message for who will be better influence for them. Because, for example, my wife be, be, belongs to a Facebook group that has a lot of moms in it. So they talk about, you know, how to buy the best groceries, you know, where to get a restaurant and how to, you know, take after school program. So those group can influence my wife a lot. So if knowing that you're targeting local people who have kids in school, I would suggest that's where you go. Or you're talking about business uh, individual that always talk about growth and how to 10x the business. There are certain group that they belong to. It's your job, you know, as a business owner to find out where those groups are, you know, where they listen to and where they hang out. And that's where you want to be. There's a great Tony Robbins quote. You want to market narrowly, serve broadly. Until you really nail and understand and communicate to your best target audience, you're missing, your business is missing its niche. It absolutely is. Um, I had a, I interviewed this really, a uh, really great business coach. And, you know, she's a business coach. And and so she, it wasn't until she was writing her book. Oh, and the book name is escaping me. But it was um, not procrastination, not, like something like end procrastination now, something like that. But until she realized, and she didn't until she was writing the book, who was she speaking to in the book? Until she got that her target audience were licensed professional women. And, you know, her business didn't take off. The moment she did and all her messaging was licensed professional business and where she put that messaging was to licensed professional women. As soon as she got that, her business took off. Now, men read her book, you know, and, and it's not that it, but you get very, very market narrowly serve broadly. You really have to get into who are your best customers and build the messaging and business for them, the experience that creates that, supports that value for them, and you will find others. But you you really, and it's this fear, right? It's fear that if if we get too narrow, that um, we're going to lose- You're excluding them. a lot of people. Yes. And you're never excluding, but by targeting, you're reaching and others will join in. We also wanted to target a certain business that we have. But obviously, if you call me, you want to order. Yeah, <laughs> by all means. But then, yeah, I, I like that because as small business, you know, we do have limited resources, time, money, or whatever that might be in your particular uh, business. If knowing that who we target, I like to go deeper too. I, I would actually encourage people to find what, what I call meaning ambassador for your business. You know, there are people who really love your product who will tell 10 people about what you do, give them the resource and give them the pride that they could wear. You know, a good example would be when people like football or basketball, you know, they will wear their t-shirts. They pay like a hundred dollars, you know, to buy, wear the t-shirt everywhere they go. You know, they buy their mug, they buy their flag. Uh, wherever they go is the name of the team. So you can think about it in terms of things like that. Are there 
item and it comes to my area that you could have fans, you can give it to them or they could buy it, you know, that they could use every day. And when people see the the logo, the message is, can you coach the person to talk on behalf of your your brand? You know, that's if you can get at least five to 10 ambassadors like that, you know, you'll be on your way to success. Mm-hmm. So two stories just came to mind when you're saying that, Swara, because it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to make T-shirts. A local business owner has um, pet food boutique. They're called, far- it's the, the stores are called Farm to Paw. And brilliant branding, really brilliant branding. So, so all of the bags are the fabric bags, um, but like the recycled plastic, they're not expensive, but they're, fa- you know, they're not the plastic bags. They're purple. So everything is purple, farm to pop. So literally, I, I mean, that's all the bags I have. So if I go grocery shopping, they're all farm to paw bags. And in the towns where she's located, you see these purple bags everywhere. So literally... Her customers are out marketing and they're varied. They give out these bags, right? So a little bit more money than a plastic bag, but I got to tell you, great marketing. The same similar thing with a pharmacy owner um, I knew in California. They had uh, special programs they did, you know, kids that were dealing with acne or, you know, diabetes or whatever it was, they had special programs and they made these backpacks with the pharmacy name on the backpack. Within the first year, you started to see backpacks. And so the kids would go to school with these backpacks. And then all the kids were coming into the pharmacy. It's like, what are you doing? And how how do I do that? And how do I get a backpack? So you can be something that's not expensive. It's a little creative, but you literally make it easy for your customers to market you because your name is popping up everywhere. Yeah, that again goes back to knowing who your best customers are. If you can find, not necessarily has to be item, it could be article, it could be a link, or it could be a meme even, you know, that they were happy, you know, that they're going to share it to things that they know. And then at the end, it will bring back to your place of business, you know, so whatever that might be, you have to answer the questions first, who are your best customer and, you know, before you're able to do that. So, Patty, I know, you know, we can go into deeper for another two hours, but then for individual questions that the listeners might have, what would be the best way to reach out to you? My website, it's pattymera.com. There's lots of, there's resources on that. And we have the special links wire for your audience, which is pattymera.com forward slash the small business show. And when you go to that link, you get a special resource page that if you're interested in, in my book, Up Solutions, you can find out where, to, where it's available for sale. And But there's a tool, the Touchpoint Scorecard. It's a really simple but valuable tool. It puts you in your customer's shoes, evaluating all the touch points of your business and the experience you're creating. Is the experience aligned with the value you want to be providing? Really, really impactful tool, simple to use. And there's a short video showing you how to use the tool. So you can download the tool off that page, find the one that's relevant for your business, uh, and then watch the video with your team. Do this with your team if you have one, and it'll give you some real insights. Also help you identify, you know, not just the experience you're creating, but start paying attention to the languaging that's being used. Thank you so much, Patty. I'll definitely uh, include that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. You know, I'm I'm glad that, you know, this is the first conversation episodes that we have and, you know, we can get everything uh, set up correctly for this year. Thank you so much, Heidi. 
An absolute pleasure, Swire. I wish everyone a, a really prosperous and joy-filled 2022.